Welcome to LOI Central. Just millimeters past the touchline and coming into your living room, it's Dan and Johnny. Yeah, hello. It's episode 24 of LOI Central with futureticketing.ie, uh, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. And on today's show, uh, it's St. Moctus against Dundalk that's going to get a lot of our attention with Mick Daly and Craig Highland coming into the studio very shortly to talk about their days in the League of Ireland. They're very interesting lives actually off the pitch and St. Moctus against Dundalk we're going to hear it's probably unlikely we'll even talk about some doctors in the dock to be honest I mean it's not even going to be we'll, we'll mention that they're playing the game on Friday but that's probably the height of it Johnny I'd say it's trying to build up to the FAI Cup here Dan. well I know you are but I mean let's let's not let's let's give the listeners at the start a flavour of what's going to happen I mean Craig Hyden's in the fire brigade McDaly's you know has uh, got a uh, lived a very interesting life in football. We're not going to go into the details of what formation and system and tactics. Just, I'm worried that people might tune in and go, "This is just going to be a preview of like a game on Friday." It's much more to it than that. Dan will be doing the the setups uh, from now on. <laughs> and, uh, we will be hearing just more just, more yeah. on football related matters in terms of future and past recent games. Paul Doolan back in the game. We're going to hear from him after Atlone beat Galway United one nil. And Dan spoke to Stephen Bradley yesterday in Tala. Um, brief enough chat, but very interesting stuff ahead of uh, the game, obviously, against Hallen on Thursday. Rovers leaving themselves with a hell of a lot to do. Um, but, you know, obviously 4-2 gives them some sort of a chance. So we'll, we'll hear from Stephen Bradley as well. It's actually 10 years today is the anniversary of that unbelievable goal in Belgrade. And that's Shamrock oh, Rovers. Oh, really? Is it 10 years today? It 10 years today. The Keep On Hooping has just tweeted, retweeted oh, by Aaron Rogan. God. 10 years today. Uh, were you in Belgrade that night? I was there. That was a that was an amazing night. What that a was night! An unbelievable night. Um, yeah, you, you feel like you, see we're back in the studio, Johnny. But you, you feel like you should get the prompt that I'm going to continue talking about that night. Whereas you want to move on to the next thing. The next you thing know. is literally we're an association at futureticking.ie. Later on the show, we'll be giving away a four star pizza, and I have to thank Oliver Ireland for providing the studio as well, uh, which we really enjoyed with Sean Boyd. Got a great reaction to that show last week, um, and there we have it, Dan. We have a lot to get through today. It I mean, was- sorry, can we just pass over the, Bel- the ten years since Belgrade? I mean, we're literally across from each other can you not even take my prompts in any shape or form where i'm saying you were that you were there at the game i was i mean you know, you were at the game. normally that would be followed up by some kind of comment about what was what was it like as opposed to no i'm just going to plow on with my intro here just going to plow on what to the end like, of the intro actually, well it was i'll tell you a story about it it was many journals over brilliant. there it was really like way up there um in terms of nights um, although it's probably like when you think about it it's probably laced with a small bit of that classic thing of well we probably came home from that thinking things were going to change you know thinking that this might be a turning point for club football in Ireland and it wasn't the whole trip was it was uh, there was only like 30 maybe Shamrock Rovers fans went or something because it was real security concerns about Belgrade so I remember even going through the airport on the way over we were taken aside by security I think there was a undercover police officer there uh, and because we were media we were sort of fine um, but the you know the the fans that the small number of fans that were travel, I think they were being given some you know uh, don't want to get it wrong, but just you know they were reminded very closely they were being cordoned off and their movements were being followed, um, because the partisan stadium was um and the partisan fan base like pretty uh partisan pr- pretty as they say pretty intense um and there was actually a great moment in the game where there was four journalists over I think I think it was myself. Paul O'Hare from the Mirror, Mark McCadden, 
um, from the star and, and Paul Butner. Because I think the Rovers just referred to as the Belgrade Four for a while. Because a few people after the first leg maybe didn't go or didn't bother to go. Um, and Paul Butner said freelance was there. And so Paul Butner would have been doing it for everyone else, right? Like as in all, all the other papers. And myself, Mark, and, and Paul were doing it for just for one paper each. Or I, mean, I would have been doing the Herald as well. Goes um, to extra time. So, so Pat Sullivan gets the amazing goal. But like it was one of those goals. Now I'm not a fan, and you've seen me. Like I'm not a, one of these people that jumps up in the press box and 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 sort of goes, you know, and cheers. Tinley Bale, I'm a professional. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, you try. I mean, we you have a photo of uh, we have a photo of us in, in Alkmaar a couple of years back, and I'm still slightly embarrassed about the whole situation. Like, it's not, and but I don't have people. I don't have an issue with people doing it because it's life. Sometimes your reactions in life are just you're, you're natural. I remember the Pat Sullivan goal. It was such a good goal. I do think we were just sort of like. You know, you sort of jump up, going, "Oh, what a goal!" Couldn't do anything about but, it. But then realizing, then realizing, like all these fans are around us, <laughs> and it was like they were getting increasingly angrier as the game went on. So, if you remember, extra time, it was a penalty that Stephen O'Donnell scored. So, myself and when the penalty was awarded, myself and Mark McCadden and Paul O'Hare were having a discussion because you know Paul Butner was working away. You know, in his own like extra time, like steam coming out of his ears as he sort of tried to process all these reports uh, and everything that was going on. So, in the penalties, we said, lads, just I mean, I don't think you're going to do it, but if this penalty is scored, like we can't even react in any way, we have to keep a low profile here. So, Steve O'Donnell steps up, scores the penalty, and the three of us just stay completely solid and, and people around us. Out of nowhere, you look over and see Butner jumping out of a seat going, yes! <laughs> it's like, oh no. And there's people turning around to us. Um, but like, the, but like the, the atmosphere, I must say, in That's the stadium. That's football in a, in, a, in a moment there because like I've, I've, I've had very few experiences doing a lot of match reports. It, I, I rarely get stressed, but I find that really, really stressful. Yet, Paul Butler. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know where. We didn't, we didn't think he would even uh, you know, look up to see almost what had happened. But um, yeah, but in fairness, the, 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 the mood in the stadium was, was aggro, but it was very much aimed towards their players mm. as opposed to aimed towards the Shamrock Rovers players. I think got a big ovation coming off. Um, and yeah, I remember the following morning being in a, a like whatever, checking out a hotel or wherever we were in. And uh, yeah, it was a Red Star people. Like you know, the receptionist was a Red Star Belgrade fan, and you know they were in great form and thought this was like the best thing ever. The partisan to be knocked out. I think actually Rovers that night did invite us back, invited the four journalists back to the team hotel where they were watching the game again. I think there's a photo of us there watching the game on, oh, on the screen again. So as it builds up, it was the full ninety minutes at 120 minutes. So as the build up to Pat Sullivan's goal, everyone was like just you know you know seeing what was going to happen and it, like it was, in some ways that's sort of a very different different sort of time like you know, like Michael O'Neill's atmosphere Shamrock Rovers would have been quite convivial that way you know um, with all the years following Dundalk around Europe we would never have been in the team hotel once other than to do sorry we would have been brought in to do pre-match stuff and access was great but there was never any after the game they'd be going home you know there was never anything like that whereas I remember that campaign uh, Flora Talon, where they started off by winning 
like it was a big night out after and that's almost the the old school league of ireland trip in europe where players and everyone would be out after the game that's changed in recent I years i suspect there was no big but, night out after last thursday and you spoke to him bradley actually about that as well um well i didn't speak to him about the fact that the, the, the trip home lack of a night out, but um i did in the course of it this was in the course of a press conference yesterday as opposed to uh uh you know an intimate chat away from it just asked a couple of questions yeah about the I suppose, was there anger lingering from last week and, you know, the flight home and, and how do you sort of, how do you process what happened in a constructive sense with, with this week in mind? No, you can't have anger. You've got to learn from it. You've got to, you've got to understand what happened. Uh, sit down, review it, learn from it. Um, and make sure you move on. It's done. There's nothing you can do. You can't change it. Um, you can't have anger because anger will stop you from progressing and learning. Did you, did you kind of consciously have to park that at some stage that you come home, I don't know, do some video, but then sort of leave it there, if you know what I mean, and just look ahead to Thursday? Or is it, are you sort of analysing the game as part of the preparation the whole time? You always do it. We, we do after we win, we lose, we draw. Um, every game we review. Um, like I said, we could win 3-0 and, and we'd review it again uh, and go through things that we can do better. Um, and, and last week was no different. It was obviously a lot more... Uh, negative than positive in terms of the goals we give away. Um, but we always do that. And then very, very quickly you move on and focus on the next task. And, and that's towards the night. And uh, yeah, our approach last week was no different. And, and uh, our review after the game was no different. Is there an element of patience that's required of it too? I mean, it can always be a temptation to go chasing it too early when you need two goals. But these are quite strong on the counter. so. There's a sort of a balance act with there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Again, similar to Slovan, I think we are very, very patient in that game. Um, the way we play it, the way we manage the game, and, and towards the require uh, nothing different. Like I said, good players uh, that we're playing against, we have to respect that. Uh, there's going to be times when they're going to have their periods in the game. Um, and again, we'll have to respect that and make sure we're comfortable with that. Uh, when we get a chance to, to go and impose ourselves on the game, we've got to do that as well. Like, you know, I thought over there, um, the scoreline and our mistakes took away from a lot of our good stuff that we did um, going forward. So we've got to make sure that we bring that and obviously tidy up on the other bits. Was it a quiet flight home last week or were people sort of, you know, of that positive mindset trying to get people going and was it a bit of a quiet flight? No, I think you have to have that time of, of uh, where you're hurt and, and uh, you're disappointed um, and you reflect, you watch the game on the way home. And, and uh, it makes you really frustrated, obviously, watching the back because uh, what you felt on the sideline is what you, what you see when you watch your back. And, and like I said, at the time, and, and I feel that even after watching a few times, it's very, very unlike us. Uh, but it just happened to be in a, in a big game and we got punished. And it's as simple as that. Um, you, you have to take it and, uh, and learn from it and move on. It's really simple. Just on that, actually, so when Sean Boyd was in last week and he was mentioning that article that I wrote about Sean Grover, I'd completely forgotten about it, but I read it back, found it anyway, and um, I was looking at... Uh, Ballers rather than brawlers. Brawlers. But Stephen Bradley, I said, Stephen Bradley at that time was... I'd say a lot of people would have said he's he'd struggled to get through that season unless something changed. But I, I made the point that he was honest to a fault in his interviews. And I thought, it, I actually, it was kind of a veiled criticism that he was too honest in his interviews or whatever. But I think he's been very, very interesting after this game because he's reiterated that this was not a systematic failure or anything like that. It was individual error after individual error after individual error. Now, 
you, you, you were tweeting about this. It was hard to watch the game because it was a very, very like close, far away type feel to the stream and all that. And I watched it. It wasn't a stream. It was on TV. Or the TV, sorry. But it was kind of essentially a stream that was conveyed. It was really poor quality, like uh, camera work. So anyway, I didn't, I didn't, I watched it live. So, you know, I'm not exactly saying that I was a coach watching this back, but the first goal where there were two passes, three passes straight away, you know, they, they conceded a goal. It was just, it was a strange performance for Shamrock Rovers. I think, I think Danny Mandrew was very unlucky not to start. I'd have him ahead of Richie Towle any day of the week at this level, to be honest. Um, and I, I mean that. I think he was far better. I think Gaffney's Every, every day of the week. At, at European, All of the days. At, at European. What about Tuesday? These European games. Danny Tuesday I'd go for towel I'd say there's a lot of pressure on Gary O'Neill with all these they're not really central midfielders per se around them they're more number 10s type attacking players and um, Rovers were opened time and time again and as you mentioned as well Joey O'Brien obviously had a had a poor night lots of things went wrong the nature of the they nature they nearly of got out at 3-2 and the, the fourth goal was an absolute disaster that's just, I mean that's just a shocker and that's just bad management like bad game management mm, from them mm. and like I think and, actually, to be fair to Bradley he said Sean Hoare had Brian Large actually had a very good game, which I'd agree with. But yeah. obviously, he's got to do better there. But I think, no, I think so. I think like some of the other stuff is about the approach, whereas I think the fourth goal is is just about um, you know a mistake and and just knowing like when to. They, oh, you could even have failed them, you know. I think Flora weren't really hurting them on set pieces as such. Um, they're just all the goals are the same type of goal. I think listen to Stephen Bradley. I think the the, the broader point with Shamrock Rovers is that they play in a particular way that that is risky. Right, that they they do try and play in the front foot, and as you may, even you mentioned, like you know, Danny Mandrew was speaking yesterday about the freedom you get playing for for Rovers. That that the players are given the freedom to express themselves a bit, as you mentioned, they're it's quite fluid in their movement. Um, but the whole system is based upon there's a risk involved in that, and they need to be, you know, their recovery needs to be very good. Um, I think we might mention this last week. Like other managers in the league would comment that at times, like Rovers will give you a chance. Like they might give you a chance one on one with with Lopez. That there's, there's actually a lot of uh, responsibility on the back three sometimes to cover because they will be brave and they'll put bodies forward. Um, and and you know maybe maybe some issues there were exposed that the teams in the league haven't necessarily been able to expose them in the same way. And even necessarily in, in Europe, Slovan away, okay. But that was, you know, Slovan were early in their season. And it was 30 degrees heat. They were very good at home, but the Albanian team weren't that good and they sat in pretty much in the first leg. Um, so maybe, whereas some of our other teams in Europe, they they were tested and they, 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 they raised their levels. It's almost like... Rovers, it was just sloppy, you know, and they've been getting by in the league this year because mm. teams haven't been able to maybe exploit some of those things. And also probably the Rovers application has been a lot better. And you're right, there was just these big gaps appearing. But I think his point is more so, I think they they think that the problem should be cut out further up the field. As opposed to, it's very simplistic for us to watch it and go, well, he was unmarked in the box. That guy was unmarked in the box. He should, you know, he should, his run should have been tracked. Like, it's not like that, but it's, but their whole style, like, the risk is in, inherent in that. 100%. And, and, like, you see some teams, like, in, it's different, but you see in, like, in League One last year, and even, like, Rochdale got relegated, but they're very open, like, very open, very good team to watch, you know? Um, but Rovers have these days, like, they did concede four in the cup final against Dundalk, you remember? Albeit in December. 120 minutes. Albeit over 120 minutes, but again, like, there was parallels that they were done on the break. You know they were done like they actually were the better team for sixty five minutes of that game, and but they got they got done, and 
I, I don't know if the same problems will occur tomorrow night um, as we're speaking on, on Wednesday morning now. I don't know if the same problems will occur because I think that they're... I, I just have a feeling that their home performance will be a lot more focused and I don't think the gaps will be as big. And Flora are in a bit of a... They're a very good counter-attacking side, but they've got a two-goal lead to protect. So I can't imagine the game will be as manic and as scattered as last week Absolutely was. Absolutely not. It's going to be a different game. But you would be very worried that that fourth goal will turn out to, I, I, to, to kill them. I know you said... You think, I think you said that they're very good. You still think they're a very good chance to weekend and they definitely have a chance. But average age of the team is 29 and a half, which I thought was interesting. That's another interesting point, yeah. Um, I, think that's, I think there's something in that as well. I, I, I do think that sometimes our best clubs in Europe... Um, in terms of when they really succeed, like that, you need to have a couple of players in the squad that are that are on the way out, that are looking to leave. You know that you think, okay, the Adenda Stevens ten years ago, Carl Shepard got a move off the back of that. Look at the dog with Daryl Horgan and 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 Andy Boyle, say, and that profile. And this Rovers group, Liam Scales is the obvious one. I mean, he is going. And um, Danny Mandrew is one that certainly has ambitions. But a lot of the other players, um, there you can't like. They've come home to stay home in some cases, mm. you know, and um, I think maybe like Rovers have the players to win the league, absolutely, but maybe in one or two areas, they actually maybe this has shown that they need to like to, to freshen up, you yeah, know, you, in you terms piece of on Jack Byrne as well. Jack Byrne and McAniff were massively, massively yeah. missed in that game, and I know that's yes, last year's story, but uh. They, you know, we've seen Evan Ferguson obviously coming on last night and Kevin Zeffi's gone. Like, so it's not Andrew like... Andrew Moran as well. Andrew who, Moran, who I watched yeah. play in a friendly for, for Bray against Shells before the pandemic. And so, now he's, yeah. So it's it's not like these players aren't coming through, but Rovers haven't really brought them through this year, um, apart from the, the one obvious glaring example. And it was just like... The, the, Who's the, that? The, the the kid who scored the in the Idemo, Idemo yeah. rather in the in the first leg against um, the Albanian mob, um, but other than that they um, they have been rely- like I mean so they when they replaced Gaffney they brought on a thirty one year old in green for example and um, you know I, I think part of the Bose story this year in Europe has been the emergence of young players and um, I just thought at times they they could have done with with fresher legs but it's it's very well poised for three and a half thousand fans. No, it'll be great. I, I still think it'll be a great occasion, and they can start really well. And again, we're in danger of like you know talking about an epitaph there, you know, and what we're saying. I think it's a broader point, and I do think whatever happens, I think their recruitment for next year will be interesting because I think in one or two positions they probably need to, 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 to you know to to strengthen, you know, and do maybe even. Like in 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 sort of defence and goalkeeper potentially as well. Oh, you know, man, in terms be, of a succession yeah. plan, there, you yeah. know, there's something. That there's things they need to do, and but sometimes you you don't find out that you maybe have those problems until you're really tested. Um, it'll so, work if if they get through, right? It'll be a really really valuable experience. What happened in Tallinn? I think so. Yeah. Learn. But if they don't get through, they'll have massive regrets. Oh, they will because you look at the other games in that round. Like Rovers could play better in Europe next year and get harder draws. Mm. If you know what I mean? Like they could. And Tallinn were not a bad they, side. They, no, no, they weren't. Yeah, no, they weren't. Well coached no, no, and not no, they, a bad they, side. No, they were. And uh, look, they're actually like a League of Ireland team in a way of 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 Dundalk twenty sixteen. All their players are Estonian. You know, mm. now they, in fairness, they have a couple of lads coming home. We've come mm. home to retire, but generally, we, we play these teams in Europe. We, I mean, like Irish clubs, play these teams in Europe, and there's a there is actually a multicultural sort of flavour to all the squads. And you see a club from Latvia selling a player for a million quid this week, and you know, nations using it as a method to like bring in players from other nationalities into their country and sell them on. And that's generally like even Sheriff, for example, mm. you know, teams like that. Whereas Flora are all Estonian, well coached. They Aided them in the national 
team's most recent game and they have a real understanding and that makes them at club level makes them a really dangerous opponent but I'm just saying though like Rovers in, they could have ended up facing the champions of Norway in this round for example they're in a Bodo Glimter in this and 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 the, the draw could have been harsher for them so there will be some no not some there will be massive regrets if they don't get through because um, but but I think if Anton, it's a reminder that even whoever you're playing, League of Ireland clubs will never like you. You don't get far in Europe if you don't play well by your standards. Like they always have to hit their absolute maximum to get through. And um, Rovers were miles off their maximum last week, and they'll need to hit it. They'll need to hit it tomorrow to advance. It's set but up for a great night. In terms of the other 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 matters last week, because um, we'll hear we'll hear your chat with Paul Doolan in a minute. Um, I mean, you've you had this bizarre situation on Friday where the dog dropped into the relegation zone. We'll probably touch on that with with the, with the lads because they're playing the dog the weekend. Um, but Waterford winning, Finn Harps winning, to and, the point. and and, and draw to win as well, who were kind of creeping into it. Like, yeah. So the, it was a massive night for the for the bottom half of the table. Yeah. Derry are two points off third. Derry beating Sligo Rovers, so it's all congested. I mean, the mm. dog are in the relegation zone. It was actually eleven points between third and ninth. You mm. know, um, so. There's so many different angles that can happen um, there. Now, Dundalk, are, they play Waterford next in the league, um, and they're going to have a couple of players win international duty, although as it stands, Michael Duffy won't be, I understand. I think he might just be missing out, missing the cut. But, um, I mean, anything can happen down there, really, between those, between third and ninth. Like, in theory, the club, I don't think this is going to happen, but in theory, the club that's ninth at the moment could finish third. You know, it's not, it's not a ridiculous uh, scenario. Um, with the number of points that are at stake. And likewise, teams can get dragged into it who maybe weren't expecting to to get dragged into a relegation debate and the discussion. So it's, it's got a really congested look about it, we have to say. And um, we should mention as well, I mean, it's actually been a really sad week as well. I mean, prior to the draw the game, you had the loss of um, David Conroy, who passed away, the under-14 coach. Um, and, you know, his, his sons were at the game. And it was a really nice gesture and, and, and great to see how the draw to... Uh, club sort of rallied around them and and sort of you know uh, in their time of need at least tried to provide some kind of solace and comfort through sports so that was um you know that was a nice thing to see off the back of a horrible tragedy we obviously would be aware i think as well lawrence moore the the press officer at derry city whose uh, daughter passed away that awful case in, in in derry i actually heard her husband on the radio this morning where um, you know, passed away in, in childbirth, um, or just after childbirth, because she contracted COVID. So, um, and yeah, and then Roy Butler in, in Waterford as well, um, former Waterford player. So, um, there, needless to say, all those people are in our our, our thoughts this week. Um, yeah, um, it was an absolutely tragic um yeah. week on the League of Ireland front, and we do have a link to the GoFundMe page just for Lawrence's daughter's family there as well. Any any help would be appreciated. Yeah, I think anyone who's met Lawrence like. Um, he just puts you in good humor, an absolute gent, and it was tragic because he 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 had sent out um uh, he, he was a bit late with the the dairy um press release um on on Thursday because he was and he, he was still working through this horrible situation and then she ended up passing away and typical of Lawrence he was apologizing for being late for sending out oh, no, the dairy press no. release um and you know. Terry City is just they, they rally so well around their yeah. people yeah no no I mean there's not much more we can say other than listen we just we, we, we pass on our sympathies to, to all concerned um, so you you were in you were in Atlone on, on Friday with Mr. Doolan back in the game um, 
inflicting a defeat on on on, oh, on your beloved Galway United. You could, just, you could just see it happening as and the game he, developed. But yeah. I spoke to him afterwards anyway. Um, we'll have a chat about this afterwards, or a little bit of reaction, and um, see if the lads remember Paul Doolan afterwards. But here was Paul on Friday in Athlone. Uh, in all your in all your time away, has the dressing room music changed afterwards? Some nice beats there. <laughs> I have a headache. <laughs> um, it genuinely does feel like you've never been away. Uh, you came back, defensive, very good, solid defence performance, great bit of quality up front. You won the game. We did indeed. Probably beginner's luck, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're no beginner at this stage. You're looking fresh your age now. Well, I'm still looking after myself, you know, and I think um, like I was delighted to get the opportunity. Um, as I said, if someone had said I'd be down here Friday um, talking to you after being beaten Galway, you know, you know, I probably would have said, you know, so bundled. Like Michael rang me on Tuesday morning. I got a phone call. It's Michael O'Connor, is it? Michael O'Connor, yeah, yeah. He rang me, and I, I didn't even know his voice, to be honest. And and oh, as I said, to you, as many a time that I was, they used to ask me on your show, but not anymore. Um, I would never be disrespectful to anybody. Any club that uh, takes the time to ring me, I would always meet them. And I had a chat with Michael, and it's eight weeks, John, seven now. So um, I'm delighted. The players were brilliant. It, 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 like the compared to let's say conceding six goals the structure on them tonight which we sort of went through during the week the, the play and the defending remember you're not defending for the last 10 minutes long throwings the whole game balls buried down the pitch and you've got to match it and they did it's not like you've inherited a bad set of players either you know a lot of quality in that in that dressing room yeah but I think also too there has to be something wrong because when you look at us right and I spoke to the players about this you see three the United <laughs> three weeks the team and they're up there mm. we should be a little bit closer probably with the squad of players that's there now again I don't care I have a way of working and it gives me a chance physically as well with players to get them going I'm not going to change it but you might just help them improve it for the running did you miss that Bulls winning a game like that? Oh, certainly well, I don't know whether you see me I'm all the same I think um, and I said this before you know I mean I think a lot of our managers have but just been lashed aside and I just hope that I might be able to do something to strike a blow for some of the guys that are not involved in football. Some of the older crew, do you mean? Yeah, yeah without yeah. doubt, yeah, without doubt. Yeah, I don't have to name them. Um, you know, I think, like, when you look back, there's a lot of really talented coaches who are not, not involved. Well, how have you been out of the game for so long? Because I didn't get a job, simple as that. You know, as I said, I, I, I wouldn't be disrespectful to anyone, but there's a few people who are disrespectful to me, and for no reason, because when I see some clubs, what they're doing around the league, they appoint managers and all, people are there for four and five years, and nothing to show. You know, so um, I'm just just glad I got the opportunity. I, I, I was involved with Sour Celtic, Bobby Brown, which I'm delighted. He's um, United man as well. Yeah, yeah, Bobby asked me there. and then, So I wasn't coming straight from the couch, in case anybody thinks. You don't look like that. You look like you've been holiday, but um, just <laughs> in, <laughs> in terms of, is it, uh, I know there's a little bit of needle because you, you, you thought you were disrespectful by going United in the past. And, you know, know. it's like what I said. Um, I think if, if they, would, they wouldn't be the only ones, you know, I think because there wouldn't be as. Um, a lot of people around the league as honest and as straight as I am John mm. and as I said I wouldn't be disrespectful to no club Results going your way tonight um, is fifth place a possibility for a loan this season? Well like I just spoke to the lads when I first came in and um, uh, like probably what you're hoping is that maybe you might come with a run you might but sure like there's only time will tell you know What did you make of Shamrock Rovers and the clubs in Europe this season the, the top clubs at the top? Yeah well I thought um, when you look at Bowes I mean Bowes have been like really really outstanding when you think about it a young team um, the 
European run, like to be beaten, the, the, the Icelandic team, and then to go on and play against Pauk. Like, I mean, that's a, the performances now, I didn't see uh, either of them, but I mean, very good. Um, Rovers, probably just about still in it at the moment, um, when you think of a 4 2, but they still have a chance, and um, Sligo, I mean. Like, I don't know, when you see Bowes, who wouldn't be as strong as Sligo, you know, not, um, still going, and uh, like they were knocked out. I think, I do think, though, John, that people are trying to portray the league to be this outstanding league. Which you don't think it is? Uh, no, it's not, I don't think it is. I mean, it sounds like that people are trying to say that they're reinventing the wheel. And um, to me, as I said, the Premier League is strong. It is a strong league. Like, there is some good clubs. Um, again, too, here, you know, I'm looking at Galway, really powerful-looking team, but, you know, it's... it's um, I'm not speaking from personal respect tonight, but I'm speaking from on behalf of our listeners. Um, I think everyone's delighted to have you back and best luck for the rest of the season. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that was Paul Doolan and uh, Mick Daly and Craig Highland have just joined us. And Mick, you actually, well, you didn't play for Paul Doolan. You kind of met Paul Doolan briefly and you were all the better, well, yeah, sort of. No. I, I tried <laughs> to play for Paul Doolan, but uh, I got released from England and I came back. And uh, What year are we talking here? Oh, God, now you're making me old. It would have been, I was 19, so it would have been 13 years ago. So about 2008, probably. And uh, this was when Drogheda were just about to collapse really actually but they played a game the night before and Paul Keegan brought me up to train it was just a warm down session but I basically got berated for an hour <laughs> in the middle of a warm down session so that was uh, my only experience I, I didn't come back after that how are you berated then like you're coming down to train for a day and honestly like you're just trying to fit in like you know so you're jogging around the pitch in a warm down and he's shouting at you to get up the front or um, I'll never forget it I'll never forget it um, even passing the ball, zip it in, and like, holy jays, I'm, like your confidence is kind of shocked coming back from England as it is, like you know, and uh, you get here and you're just like this, this can't be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I was used to, to be honest. Um, now anyone who's ever watched me play knows I'm not the most talented. I am the the hard working type, so. Uh, I wouldn't have thought it was down to lack of hard work, but anyway. Jeez, he's a humble man, Craig, isn't he? Uh, look, he's not wrong about what he says, but... <laughs> <laughs> How are the Moxes kind of team? The team morale is good anyway. He's not yeah. that great, Jay. He's not wrong either. No, he's not wrong, to be fair. <laughs> uh, he's a good lad, to be fair. What's yeah. the crack with you? Uh, yeah, so similar to Mick. Um, a good while out of the league now. I was actually just most recently finished from a spell up north. Um, very brief spell. I played like three quarters of the season up there, but it's just a lot to balance with work, and that's kind of similar reason as to why I stepped away from the league in the first place. Um, it's like I'm four, four and a half, nearly five years in the in the fire brigade now. So just with the shift pattern and bits and pieces, I kind of moved away from Rovers, and then kind of while I was getting settled in, is kind of the first kind of year or two is when people start ringing you and they're looking to see if you're still interested or will you go to this team will you go to that team and I was kind of at the time not really particularly interested you know just trying to get your feet in, in the door of the job and then um, funny enough I was just listening to a Jack Wilshere speaking on the podcast he only did yesterday and he kind of says out of sight out of mind so the longer you leave that's, it that's, a, that's very much a Paul Newland thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true well, yeah. how was Glen Avon actually yeah it was, it was interesting um, luckily enough one of the lads, Gary McCaffrey, was traveling mm -hmm. up with me, so we uh, we were able to carpool. So in that sense, like a lot of the you know the mental stuff of football, you know you weren't going through on your own. So like you drive up, and if you weren't playing, which obviously was more relevant for him, or if you had a bad game, 
you didn't have to just drive home also for two more hours. relevant for him. Yeah, also <laughs> more relevant for him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's the mock this team spirit again. Um, but yeah, at least we had each other to bounce bits and pieces off. But I, like as a club, it's great. Um, all the staff, and there was a lot of staff, to be fair, um, really good. And the mm. changing room and the dressing room was great as well. Um, standard of football, bit of a change from what I was used to. You know, um, obviously, the Senior League is a lower standard, but... The way we play, kind of, you express yourself in whatever way you want. You know, there's no real pressure on us to do anything in particular. Whereas up there, it was a very direct style of football. Was it, yeah? Yeah, well, f- for Glenavon, anyway, mm. it was. Who was your uh, manager? Uh, Gary Hamilton. Mm. Um, character. So, mm. Yeah, he is a character, to be fair. And what the irony is, is he was probably one of the highest scorers and probably one of the most recognised. He was a proper footballer. Yeah. Like he, mm. really, he probably didn't really achieve what he should have, I think, in the game. But Yeah, yeah, and that's why... You know, speaking to people going up, they were saying that about him, that he had been a proper footballer, he'd been abroad and he'd, he'd done well. And then we kind of, it probably was more an eye-opener for a guard going up um, as a striker and then realising that that's not what he thought he was going up for, you know, mm. running. It was more the type of work that Mick could be involved in, <laughs> running the channels. and couldn't yeah. get any cra- praise at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like he's gone from Paul Doolan to this, his whole life. His whole life. I mean, in fairness though, Mick does like run his own gym, so I assume you get to like, at points, like, Give, give some hardship back to people oh, at some stage, like you know. Yeah, yeah. But but um, it's interesting. Yeah, Conan Byrne did speak recently about the the differences between the league, and he was saying the Irish league is, is way more direct, and that's probably the, the biggest difference. But I mean, you and Gareth going up there—that was basically about football shutting down here, wasn't it? Really, yeah. the, in terms of a uh, junior football, Leinster yeah, league, yeah. it's actually there was a real issue around that time where a lot of lads uh, have gone into League of Ireland who maybe not have. May not have otherwise have done so, yeah. um, but you you decided to go the way you did. Um, so it was kind of, I think we finished up in September, um, maybe late August September, and I actually remember we played um, we played Crumlin. It was the last game of the season. We drew two all, and then nothing. It just went like like mm. flip of a switch. We were gone. I think we got like two training sessions in in October in the kind of the interim I, maybe when Jim uh, Mick got to open his gym again like that kind of week or two where mm. things settled down and then like that the rug was pulled from under our feet again so four or five months had gone by in like the middle of January and at, at this stage like I am like walking around like a hippo in January like mm. I'm not ready to play football at all and you get a phone call down. not so good if people are looking at you to put out a fire of some description well, look. you're moving slowly <laughs> yeah well, hippo puts out fire <laughs> so that one steady wins the race they, they are water based animals it's worth pointing that out um, they so, kill, I think they kill more humans than any other animal but um, yeah you put out fires look, in I here. won't get into it <laughs> uh, there's not a, not a huge amount of them roaming around uh, we do paramedics as well so yeah. that's a positive thing because you know hippo injuries and that, that section of, of of footballers in Ireland, though, like you two lads, I don't like they were. You brought it up a good bit, Dan, but they were almost completely ignored in the narrative. It was like, oh, the League of Ireland's back, everything's great, but all these people had like they were completely just left well, out. Well, clubs and some clubs have, I mean, have lost their teams or whatever. Mm. I mean, it's been, it's been a big issue, really, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. And what was kind of strange was every second week you'd play away, you know, and you'd you'd meet somebody that you knew from the league or even mm. the senior league. You're like. Hang on a second, he's from down south there. What's he's he doing up driving, here? Yeah. He's after driving three hours to get here and going like that every week. And then obviously Warren Point being the closest one, you went up and they were all either ex-League of Ireland that played Lancer Senior League and up until recently as well. So it was mad. Like, as you say, it was kind of an opportunity that came up out of not playing football and it came and went and I actually signed the three-year deal. Like, So I was meant to be there for a significant period of time. Um, 
the likes of Josh Doyle is still up there. He was with Bluebell. And, and the same, you mentioned, like, lads gone into the League of Ireland who wouldn't have, you know, for whatever reason, mm. are now in the league and, you know, playing the likes of uh, Aaron Robinson at Longford. Yeah, um, yeah really Luke McWilliams. first division. Darren yeah, Craven, yeah. is it? Is Darren the, Abre, yeah. yeah. Luke McWilliams at Cabinteely, like Yeah, Luke would be a good player. All of the yeah. top, kind of, you're looking at, like, the top end of a lot of the team's players. We came back and, like, we managed to keep for the majority of our players or the likes of me and Gar, not saying that I'm any good, but Gar's good, came back to the team. Whereas you're looking around the rest of the league, a lot of the stronger players have gone and stayed in the league. Now, obviously, it's easier to do in League of Ireland when you're not driving mm. three hours to every game. But we'll that, see what happens at the end of the season, though. At the league, the end of yeah. this League of Ireland season, they would yeah. have to sign for the year, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how many of them stay because I think this is the debate, lads, isn't it? That the difference between, in particular, like I know there's. There's there's a number of players in the in the Leinster Junior League who could be playing League of Ireland if they wanted to, um, maybe particularly at the first division level certainly mm. anyway. Yeah. But you talk to them and travel and all these issues are are a factor. I mean, what what's your perception of that, Mick? I don't know in terms of levels and well, uh, and did, reasons did, people step out of it that where they could no doubt be in in it in some shape if they wanted to be. Yeah, I I think it was you who pointed it out that I first seen it about the wage subsidy scheme has probably helped the first division clubs. Oh, big time. Because you're talking, is a fella really like, I, not last year, the year before, signed with um, Fenny at Longford. Yeah. So when Fenny was at Longford and then worked it out with Fenny and it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and then you might do a recovery session the Sunday. And for what I was used to earning anyway, it was good wages, like, you know. And But then I went home and I thought, that's Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, Sunday. I just had to ring Fenny up. I was like, sorry, I actually can't commit to that. Mm. Um, even though, like, it was a decent wage. And I was like, for someone like me who works nights, you just, it's it's non-comparable, like, to what you can earn compared to what you would in, in the first division. You work nights as in evenings or? Yeah, well, the, the gym is the open gym in the 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. So, like, yeah. Um, Whereas Craig, you actually work work nights. nights yeah, yeah. So let me yeah. finish this point here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But then it, I I think it was Dan that I'd seen put it up, and then it explained that why like I might have got a good offer, but other lads are offered fifty quid to go to it loan. Whereas now it loan can mm. claim the, the wage subsidy scheme, and that lad might get three hundred quid now. So all of a sudden, for the likes of um, Hollywood, who was with us um, in preseason. These lads now, it might be worthwhile to go. You're not going for 50 quid, but it's for the Leinster Senior League, it's really weak in the Leinster Senior League. Mm. Yeah. Um, you're looking at lads like Crumlin, Bluebell. They've lost a lot of players mm. like um, who were good enough for the first division. But then, as you said, next year will tell a lot. If the wage subsidy scheme is pulled, are them lads then going to, after being on, say maybe 300 quid, accept the 50 quid a week? Yeah. Um, do they enjoy playing at that level that much that you do have to sacrifice a lot? Like, they, like, for example, I'm just back from holidays. I'm back from Lanzarote yesterday. Um, you can't do that when you're playing first division football or premier division football. Like, you know, are you willing to sacrifice that much for 50 quid a week? You nearly have to be a young player with um, ambition to go higher. Like, yeah. otherwise... No misses, no kids. Mm. Or, or, like, even a, a, a job that allows you to do that. Like, you know. Mm. Um, so, like, un- unless you're in the premier division earning a decent amount, really, is it worth your while? Like, the Leinster Senior League, it's, like... It's nowhere near as good as the Premier Division, obviously. Um, you might have one or two who might be able to push on to that level, but uh, it's enjoyable. You can live your life um, and you can play a decent level of football with it as well. So unless you're really going to push on, 
it's a decision to make like yeah yeah because Craig like you left Shamrock Rovers I think at the end of the 2016 season am yeah. I right because yeah. we were just doing the research looking at it and that was just when Stephen Bradley had come in and there was a suggestion yeah. they wanted to keep you but you basically you couldn't commit to full-time football that was basically the, yeah more or less so yeah. um I I got injured in the like uh the start of September let's say in the League of Ireland a bad injury that that took me ages to recover from so at the end of the season I sat down with them and I was, they were looking for me to come back um, in January. Yeah. I was ready to go fit. And I just you now caught them off guard. I just sat in the room. I was like, I don't know if you haven't heard this or because everybody else in the changing room knew I was gone. Uh, I'm leaving league. I'm leaving football for the time being. I'm going joining the fire brigade. And they both kind of just, you know, they were taken aback a little bit, but they both kind of just said, well, best of luck, fair play to you. Hope, hopefully it works out. But, in theory, I could have, yeah. Maybe would I have stayed with Rovers? Would have worked out between us, me and them, and the direction they were moving in? Maybe, I don't know. Is that a regret? Um, no, absolutely not. Um, I, absolutely not. Like I, They also had goalkeeping problems for a long time after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, significant goalkeeping problems, probably for two or three seasons, yeah. Like, I still had a lot of close friends, the likes of Gary Shaw I would have carpooled with, and he was there for the three years after. Um, and they just couldn't get a goalkeeper for a long time. They... I think they went through four or five and then I think finally settled down when Alan came back. Obviously, Alan is probably still the best, even at his age. He was there in my very first spell. He was playing and he was in his prime and he's come back and he doesn't look like he's aged today. He's just top. So. But there has been problems in, in the interim. Why no regrets then when you look so, at that? Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, do you know, when you look back at it, football is much easier when Mick speaks about it as in when you can go and enjoy it and live your life and it's not all consuming but when you play at Rovers and like I played there and Trevor started was sacked Pat one of the great league Ireland managers mm. was there and sacked and then uh, Stephen came in as well so like it's high pressure but not even in the sense that it's high pressure for players trying to perform and, and win leagues and stuff not only against the probably the best and dog team probably one of the better teams I've ever played in the league and Cork who also won a league in the, in the kind of the mix then as well but like the pressure of everything that was surrounding the club at the time so like you probably realized after the first kind of like let's say the first block of games that Dundalk were probably going to run away with it or else the season that Cork ran that you know you weren't going to compete with them so the best you could probably do at times was third and we did finish third I think in all of the seasons that I was there I think we finished third Mm. but there was so much pressure around the club that like managers were losing their jobs, coaches were losing their jobs, there was players coming in, players going out, and that kind of continued because not long, um, you know, before I had joined Rovers in the first time, Stephen Kenny was there for a very brief period of time, one of the most successful managers now in the league, and I think he got six months, you know, he yeah. brought players in, and then all of a sudden he was gone, um, and then a lot of players would leave and would have left the club, you know, having felt like they never really got a fair crack at the whip, the likes of maybe like Killian Brennan came in and then I think he was gone and then back, do you know what I mean? Feeling like it was like different. But for me, the big thing was completely non-football related and why I wouldn't have any regrets was I think I was gone from the league eight or nine months and I bought a house. It's just not something you can do. You well, we've I mean? been speaking about this, this is, the last couple of weeks. This is like three weeks, weeks this has come up in succession yeah. on the it's, show. And it's like, I, I, as Mick was talking about, like I would have been on a decent wage for a league. Obviously you would have been because you're at Rovers. But, like you're still having to borrow money off your well, my my now wife in the November, December, and January because you just weren't getting paid. 
Now, I know some of them might be now because some of the contracts are 52 weeks and whatever, but for me, that was never the case. So for 42 or 48 weeks, you are grand, and then the rent still continues for those months, and then you still have to buy Christmas presents, and you still have to live your life. So there, you, you always had that in the back of your mind coming to the end of the seasons, and like I was never fortunate enough down here to sign two or three year contracts. I don't actually think many people did at the but, time. But even if you do, even if you are full time, and I know when we were playing, um, we were probably coming out of the recession, and it was when the league wasn't as good mm. as it is now financially. But like, say you're the most successful player in the league, you get to thirty five, you've probably no qualifications. What yeah. do you do? Your mortgage still needs to be paid. You haven't earned the money that they earn in the Premier League. Like, no. what do you do? So it, it comes to a stage where you have to think ahead and you think, right, I need a qualification or I need a job. Um, and there's not many jobs. Like I know, say, that a lot of the Dublin GA lads or something, their jobs will cater to their sport. But like, it doesn't really happen in the League of Ireland. So like, if, if you want to settle down, you want to have kids, you want to get a mortgage, you want to get a house and all, you're thinking full-time football, it might keep you going for a while you're playing. But I, even looking at Dublin, like, there's only probably 20 management jobs in the country. Even as a strength and condition coach myself, professionally in the country, there's probably 30. If you're bringing in the rugby and some GEA profession, like, you have to get a career. Like, um, I think it's short-sighted to think, right, I'm going to play professional mm. football in Ireland for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, you get to 33 and all of a sudden you're hit with a shock that, all right, now I have to provide my family. I was on good money, but like, now I'm going into a job, I'm interviewing for jobs in town in a suit and I haven't a clue what I'm doing. So, even for lads who are now professional, obviously everyone makes up their own mind, but you should be putting things in place that mm, when, you, when you finish, there's not enough coaching jobs, there's not enough strength and conditioning jobs. Like you need something in place to step out of football. Yeah, I, mean, I think the lack of an industry here is something that comes up all the time and we talk about it all. You know, we, we, we talk about doing improving the academy structures and all of that and yet you're, you're looking at people to do that in a volunteer capacity. You know, yeah. and this is the thing. People finish up in, in the UK and... To generally get a role in scouting and, and, and a lot of the hardships are faced over there too as well. A lot of lads probably in, in League One and League Two in their thirties are not going to be retiring wealthy either, you know. Yeah. But um it feels like there's more of a of a cushion there. But like I mean, Mick, you headed off to Australia at one point, didn't you? Like you just decided to do that in your what, probably mid twenties, was it? Just uh, no, early twenties, yeah. Yeah, I kinda I when I first came back I signed with Dundalk. Um Probably the most craziest team of all time. Sean Connors. Oh, you and that Dundalk team? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on here. Right, this yeah. was Dundalk of 2009, yeah. was it? Yeah, three this, red cards to me name. Was year this the Darren Mansurum, Harpal yeah, Singh, yeah, yeah. That was, Michael McGowan, a yeah. few of those. Chris Turner was there for a yeah, while. Yeah, CT was there, yeah. Chris was a great player. Did you have a Christmas party? I'd say that would have been, if there would have been a, a hell of a contenders. Honestly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday were the parties. <laughs> you played the Friday and then, oh God. Was yeah. that bad, yeah? Um, like I, I was coming back from a professional setup now. I came back and I played in the Foss course with Harry McHugh there out in uh, Cabra. And like, you're still training every day. So it's almost as if it's professional football. And like, we had like Enda Stevens on our course. We had Keith Ward. We have a load of lads, Paddy Madden. We have a load of lads who've gone on to do really well. Um, what's his name? The right back for Spurs. Um, Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty. Yeah, like we had a great course, like, you know, um, so, and like nearly all the lads went on. Dawson was with Shells and then went over to England. Like an awful oh, lot yeah. of them have gone on to do really well. Like, what you was know? it that happened to you then? Oh. Um, I hope there's good sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. He's, pat he's patting his belly there. Just yeah. But um, like, so it was kind of like you were still professional. Then I went to Dundalk like, and uh, like, 
you had George O'Callaghan, you had Mickey Collins, you had, and like I'd be the type that I'd have to eat the same pre-match meal. I'd be thinking about it even the day before to have to eat at the time. Like and these lads just they could just come in drunk one day. They could be like, ah, like, oh, honestly, it was. Like uh, I was talking to uh, Gavin McLaughlin of the Up and Dundalk, like mm. he yeah. was talking about the program for the weekend, and he was asking me, "And did you learn anything off the lads? <laughs> uh, what not to do? Yeah, I <laughs> How mean, not to prepare." Like, so like we came fifth in the league that year, um, and like we had a talented team. Like, came fifth. I was traveling up and down, say with Fabio, who'd be the ultimate professional, um, whatever. Um, Dundalk might think from after being Matt Drotter, and Fabio was a professional. Like Fabio rice cakes protein he looked after himself and scored goals like um but like the two of us would be scratching our head driving back like it, it was uh, completely different to what i'd be used to like you know and um, but we qualified for europe because i think it was cork and someone went bust yeah cork, that was the year them, was, i think at the end of the season it'd be like well yeah. who's gone bust let's uh i think two up went, you go yeah. yeah and that's what i was saying to hilo like we were we were at the time when the league was that was a mad time really for the league that 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 post like recession as you basically yeah, say like yeah. yeah and like you were stumbling from one year to the other so at the end of the year i won player of the year at the end of the year and kind of had a, an awful lot of offers like met michael o'neill at rovers i met this that, and the other and i ended up signing with Drogheda because like I, again i was thinking in my head i need to get a job even at that age i was thinking like it's not something when you're looking even the professional teams are 42 week contracts or 40 week yeah. contracts so you're told to go sign on the dole at the end of the year like mm. so Drod offered me a big contract at the time so signed with Drod and then they went bust like two weeks before the season started <laughs> <laughs> so we lost all our players so then ringing P Mahan up who was at Pats ringing Michael eh, lads uh, there was no contract when I said yet. no what I really meant was <laughs> yeah 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 I was playing hard uh, to get yeah. here yeah so uh then we obviously lost all our players. Like we'd Connor Kenna signed with some top players. Everyone left. We ended up getting relegated. So I just I was sick of my sick got up and moved to Australia. This is around um, the time of your uh tweet. No, 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 it's not. It's not, Johnny. Get your get your get later, your facts yeah. together. Yeah. It's, 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 an, it's another bad season with Drama. Yeah, let's just yeah. yeah. So you went to Australia around that point. Yeah, so just went to Australia and then Australia was brilliant. Like Australia there was no such thing as a recession in Australia. Um uh, sent off a DVD playing um, ended up signing just under the A-League in New South Wales and played there for two years it was a brilliant experience it wouldn't have been as high a level as um, the League of Ireland but would have been maybe a little bit higher than the Leinster Senior League Yeah, um, and just thoroughly enjoyed it um, got very fit over there fitness is a lifestyle like you know mm. um, so lived over there for two years the visa ended and then I came back and signed with Drogheda the year we got we got the three cup finals yeah Um that was a great year. Um, Mick Cook was sacked at the end of that year. Um, played the next year. We did okay the next year. Stayed up. And then, like, kind of every year it was there, the budget was getting caught and caught and caught. And then the last year, we... Uh, that's where you're about to go with this, Johnny. I love this club and love playing for them. To see them go down effing breaks my heart. Time to get things in order now and rebuild. The day after we lost 6-0 to Dundalk, eight lads just didn't bother to show up for training. That was the day we got relegated. No fight, no passion. Congrats, Limerick. It was well-deserved. We were shambles from the very start of the year and got exactly what we deserved. What did you really think? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I wear my heart in my sleeve. I don't even regret putting that mm. up. Who was the manager that time, actually? Uh, Robbie Horgan started as manager. Mm. And we... Uh, we got to nearly the mid-season break, and I think we were fifth or sixth. Um, I remember playing in Limerick. We bet Limerick 1-0 in Marketsfields, and we were flying. 
Um, now we're, we are our squad was a really thin squad, like you know, and then we start releasing players. Don't so, think all of them were that thin, though, were they? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's what we signed later <laughs> after that. Um, I, 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 no, was it Johnny Mack or maybe Johnny came in after? But then, like, I think we got rid of the likes of Cole Brady and all who like wouldn't have been on major money anyway. Um, but was a great lad around. Was a decent player. Would have done well for us. And we just went on a run after we we came back. I think ten games in a row we might have lost. Mm. And we brought in Bocker Bailey. We brought in... Um, Characters. Yeah. Sean Thornton. Sean was there, yeah. And like Sean would be... Sean had did well for us, like, you know. he was. You just see him having a smoke after the game. That yeah. was the thing for me that would be a bit yeah, jarring. And, and, I mean, you know that happens, but yeah, like... Yeah, and like that was... That, that, that picture of having a smoke was after we lost 6-0 or something. Yeah, up in the dock. And you was Mark know? Kinsley at that stage then? Mark, yeah. Mark was a great coach and a yeah. lovely... Very well-regarded coach, yeah. A lovely, lovely fella. And like, felt sorry for Mark that like... Honestly, I was captain, but even that Mark was being linked to this because Mark was really good, like, you know. Mm. Um, but it, it was just things like that where you might have got away with it before social media, but, like, straight away you're after losing 6-0 to Dundalk. And then the next picture you see up online is Taunton having a smoke with one of the fans on the pitch, like, that, like, you're just... And, like, he, he was one of our better players. Yeah. So it's not as if you can even go and berate him because, like, on the pitch, he was one of our better players. But we just we had a load of kids. Um, that it was inevitable then. But then you come in to train the next day, and honestly, nobody showed up. So like, at a professional level, like, that just shouldn't happen. That's just unbelievable, really. That's meant to be the highest level of football in Honor, Ireland. You know, yeah, like the thing. It, like the years previous to that, the, honestly, it just wouldn't be accepted. I remember the year we were in Europe playing Malmo. There was 18 out of 21 days where we were in. We were either doing video analysis or something like, because we were in Europe, you were playing kind of Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So then you're trying to get recovery sessions in or you'd be traveling. So I'd be including that in the 18 out of 21 days. And like, you wouldn't miss a session. Mm. Not one person would miss a session. Like, um, Whereas you're just looking around and, Oh, I was infuriating, but there's nothing you can do, you know. I approached Rada and like I said, listen, you can take my wages and give it to someone. Um, the lads at Rada can verify that. I said, you can take my wages. I don't care about being paid. Like I just want to stay up if you can get a player for the money. And I said, no, no, I'm not even sure we can do that, whether we can then sign you on an amateur or whatever. It's like all I wanted to do was not embarrass myself, like stay up mm. as captain of the club. It just infuriated me then. At the end of the season, we played Rovers. It was the last game of the year. Like, But if we won, I think we went into the playoff. Now, we didn't deserve to because we'd lost so many games in our own. Limerick came on some run. They just won every game. And we played Rovers away. And then lost to Harps in the playoff, didn't they? Yeah. 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 BJ Bando. We played Rovers away. I actually scored. In a, um, it was Damien Duff's last game, I think. And we went 2-1 up. And then it just kind of typified our season. We... I think there might have been 30 minutes left. It was second half, anyway. We just disintegrated, ended up losing 4 2 and relegated. So, where have you been since? Uh, that was when I'd done my back. Um, I near the end of that season, I was we played Cork away and I kind of felt my back a little after. And then the next day, I was struggling to walk. The Friday, I was a bit sore. And then by Monday, I was fine, trained, played. The next week was probably Tuesday before I was okay. The next week, it was Wednesday. And then I kind of got to the last, say, six or seven games in the season and I couldn't do anything but play on Friday. So I'd be going to the physio the Monday and Wednesday, getting the back looked after. And then I'd play the Friday 
again, couldn't train all week, played a Friday. Um, so I signed for, I signed a two-year deal at Bray and didn't kick a ball, didn't even train with them. Um, had to go get the back surgery. And at the end of that, it was like, it took me, because it took so long with the insurance with Rod to get the back surgery, I was out for probably another, well, it was three and a half years before I played again. Well, um, but yeah. wasn't able to play. It probably took me another year and a half to fully recover from the back surgery. Um, so I thought I was finished. I was told I'd be in pain for the rest of my life. I was told um, I was given pain management books and all how to live with pain, this, that, and the other. But touch wood now, I'm, I'm brand new. Like, right. And you're enjoying your football now then? Yeah, thoroughly love it. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this year because kind of we've signed some good players. Like we have. So you know, tell us who you've got there then, actually, for people. Like, there's. So for anyone listening, like, we have. This Craig Highland, obviously, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This. Like this bozo here, uh, who would be like he's obviously ex Rovers. Then we would have Sean Byrne, who was ex Shells at left back. You'd have Alan Byrne in the middle with a centre back who Al's played with a load of league yeah. clubs. You'd have Declan Brennan, he was Shells as well. Mm. Um, you'd have Noel Murray, he was in League of Ireland, but Noel's played amateur Ireland. Um, probably the last 12 years, yeah. He's been in the team, he's probably, he's the, best, probably the best centre back in the Leinster League for a decade. Um, then you'd have Gav, who was ex at Long. Yeah, yeah. They'd be our four centre yeah. 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 backs. Like, yeah. So for that level, that's mm. some serious depth. You'd also sign Sean Heaney, who mm. has obviously played at Rovers, was at Bray. Yeah. Now he's in the guards. Yeah, I was so going to say he would have to go to the guards. So yeah, similar yeah. enough to me, I suppose, he um, left, joined the guards. And when he was training, he signed for Ballymun and um, just played the games and then went back down to Templemore. Yeah, um, so they obviously got relegated. So that'd be our five centre backs, you yeah. know. It's um, not bad, yeah. Yeah, and then a right, right back with a fella who, he's an excellent player at that level. Would have played in the LSL representative team, but I don't think Glenn's played. No, I don't mm. think so. Um, I'd be in the middle with. Then you'd have the two Brady brothers who are excellent. Mm. This For, is uh, Robbie at, Brady's brothers. Yeah, yeah. At, at that level, anyway, they are excellent. Um, like, uh, Garrett Brady Reds, or he'd be known to us. Like he can take left foot, right foot corners. And like mm. pinpoint left foot, right foot corners. It's actually stupidly talented. Yeah, yeah. they're both e- they're excellent. And Liam is the is Liam. Liam's the other, Liam yeah. was away at Stevenage, wasn't he? When yeah. he was younger, Liam's I think. Liam's younger, so yeah. Like th- to be fair to Liam, um, he was weighing up options this year of going into the league as well. Um, I just think he was very much aware of the fact of how how long it had been since he had played. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to go somewhere and only kind of half ass it. So. He kind of decided to come in, come in with us, and obviously sign with his brother because we have a chance of doing well. And then the new league of Ireland season starts, so provided mm. he does well, he might give himself a better option, you know. But yeah, he yeah. still has the ability to go, and so does Redzer. To be fair, I just for whatever reason, Redzer's happy where he is. But um, Liam could still easily go league of Ireland. You know, he has that yeah, sort of ability. Play. But yeah. he's also very similar to Gar, really enjoying his football, and it, you can tell because. When they're confident, you can see like, like Mick could give Gar a good bit of stick, you know, for not doing a huge amount else apart from scoring. But like he could score fifty goals this year. Mm. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's actually ridiculous. And chalk and cheese from like I obviously played with Gar at uh, when he came back from Hibs, similar to Mick. And confidence is gone, and he signs then, and, and you're not sure how he's going to get on. And he did well at Rovers, but obviously was young, and then the scar of the Caffrey, yeah, 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 and then goes to Drogheda, and you know he's in and around the league, and then up north, then you see like a, a different version of him because I'd played with him, he'd scored thirty goals for Mock, just gone up north, not gotten a kick, and confidence is at an all-time low. 
still does well in training, but not getting to play, and then comes back to Moctis. All of a sudden, you know, um, I was away for six weeks after the spell up north. I injured again, but came back down and Gars looks fit after losing a good bit of weight, sharp, and I think he's 14 goals or 12, 12, and 12 goals in seven games or something. Yeah. Something ridiculous, but you can just see but, but, one th- but one thing with the League of Ireland that I don't think people in the LSL or maybe even outside the League of Ireland appreciate, these lads are machines. And that's what I'd be saying to lads who are talking about going up and they've talent and all to go up and all. These lads can run all day long. Who's this? The in, in especially Premier Division League. Yeah, Ireland. that's the difference. Machines. We've spoken about this before. It's a fitness issue. 100%. You, you, that's your taking it. Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. These lads, like... They won't, like you see the likes of Gar Gar's for our level unbelievable like are you going to get that many chances like realistically if you go up you're probably going to be playing with a lower level team in the League of Ireland mm. so all of a sudden they're not looking for a poacher they're looking for a fellow who's going to win headers hold it up run the channels you know poachers don't exist in the league anymore they just they, don't get away with can't it like, because you're machines yeah. you know you might get away with your data and like well you're not going to get away with it like yeah you, know I mean? you might get away with a, at a Rovers or a team who are doing really well and creating these chances that they just need someone who can finish mm. but they, even at Rovers you have Rory Gaffney and Aaron Green mm, who they have are to work. two yeah. animals yeah like mm. Aaron Green is one of the fittest men I've ever met and he keeps himself an unbelievable nick yeah and as Mick says does he score 30 goals or does he score 20 goals a season? No, because they probably don't create that many poachers. Mm-hmm. But he creates for the likes One of... One the channels. Yeah, and so Burke and I, the I likes of Byrne when he was there. I don't think people appreciate that when you mm-hmm. look at the league. Um, you might criticise the standard. Some people externally looking at it, but like these lads, it's it's not easy to be that skill for it when you're doing that amount of running. Like Ronan Finn is one of the best players the league's had in age. Ronan Finn is a machine. 33. Yeah, like, it, it's interesting at the start of the year when they had this whole elite, non- I hate that, that was all balls, right? Yeah. That whole thing. But you, you do see some people, there's a, probably a perception of the League of Ireland player, particularly at the Premier Division level, that they're not like, that they're not elite. But like, yeah, athletically, like you need ah, to be pretty fit to play at that level. Yeah. Maybe not like Dundalk 2009 where you could, uh, you could, lads could be eating whatever before the game. There's not too much of that going on now, I don't no, think, like, anyway. E- even like, uh, Fitness would have been my game, and the likes of Ronan Finn or Robbie Benson or something. I, I've had to man mark these lads, and honest to God, for ninety minutes, Ronan Finn just doesn't stop sprinting. Mm. Like it's it's not even just jogging around, showing for the ball. You're just chasing them around the park, like or trying to chase them around the yeah. park. Like mm. the, the, these lads, and the, that's why sometimes when you drop down to say the LSL, you're looking at these lads who have talent, like you know, and you're thinking, like the lads might say, I I go a bit hard, and I'm like. You have to if you, if you want. You're like a like a Paul Doolan berating someone here. Probably yeah, yeah. but like at a, at a younger at a younger age, like all you're saying to lads is like you're 23, 24, if you, and you have the talent to go, but like you have to work hard. When we were talking actually about like Shamrock Rovers before the show, like not much was said that Roman Finn at 33 was picked ahead of Sean Gannon to play right wing back the other night. Mm. That's where he's at. He's 33 at the yeah. career he's at and he did not have a bad game. Oh, you like, know what I mean? He's yeah. a, just an absolute, like his career has been a testament to his professionalism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think... A big you were there obviously, I'm just thinking, you were at Rovers in 2011 for a brief yeah, spell, were you? Yeah, when he was there before he went yeah, to so dog, you, Yeah, so you've seen him all the way yeah. up. Yeah, and I think like, to be fair, Ronan's not the the right example but like, Ronan then at the time was super fit as well, but he's closer in age to me, let's say. So yeah. I'm nearly 31. So back then he was probably, what, 21, 22, come from UCD, uh, full-time, but a different type of full-time. And he comes in to Shamrock Rovers, he's flying fit anyway. So he's always been the same. But then he goes to Dundalk, and I think 
the Dundalk side that was around back 2013, I think. The Dundalk side with Richie Towell and Stephen Kenny, basically, were probably the best examples of how the, the league's changed into what it is mm. now yeah. in the modern terms. Because They probably changed the league. That sort mm. of stuff that Mick was talking about with Drogheda can't exist in the league anymore mm. because you'll be, you'll be made a show of because Dundalk set the, ban- uh, the standard and then Cork tried to catch up and then Rovers similar and Rovers now are probably the team that's jumped ahead again. It's when Kilduff like wrestled Veedhorse or whatever it is off the yeah. six foot seven and he must out muscle him to get an equaliser with ten men. Yeah. It was like they're in good shape. Well this is the thing, and I mean you're going this is topical, you're going to play Dundalk on Friday, um, who two weeks ago played I don't know if you saw the game with Vitesse Arnhem. Yeah. And you're playing against and now they're in pre season admittedly, but the last twenty minutes of that game, Vitesse Arnhem were were gasping and yeah. Dundalk yeah. were flying. Michael Duffy who yeah, was in playing on Friday, was he had tormented them. He was actually tormenting their defenders. Yeah. And this is a Dundalk team having a bad season. Maybe the, the things aren't right there. But I think that, to me, for all that it's pre-season for Vitesse, you could actually just see physically. Yeah. You're, not, you're not having that, that question yeah. mark. Right? And even the confidence and the arrogance to play well. Like Sometimes mm. when, you, when you go play in Europe, you're a little bit daunted about getting on the ball or, or, or showing your talent. But like I was hoping they'd win that game and then I think our game would have been changed to the Monday. It would have been, yeah. They yeah. might have got the second team or whatever. <laughs> no. They got yeah. beaten. So that was a bad it was a bad combination. Yeah. But it isn't mad that like you will be like you will be up against some players tomorrow or on, on Friday who are who are in that zone of like I mean there's some good money being earned up there at the yeah. moment, you know, yeah. a couple of overseas players. It's a bit of a there's a bit of an interesting club, I'd say, to prepare for a game with I'd say at times you might play League of Ireland players and you'd know them all. The dog's slightly different yeah, in some year, ways, yeah, isn't it? Definitely. Like, there's there probably ten or twelve players that are on their squad that you'd have never heard of. Mm. Whereas mm. traditionally, if you've played in the league, even in the last five years, you probably know nearly everybody. That's because everybody yeah. just chops and changes. You might get a different variation of them, as in they might have gone to Dundalk and rode in, and they might yeah. be bigger, stronger, and faster than they were. But this year, there's like the player signed for Brentford. Was that from Dundalk? Yeah, valid. I've literally never heard of him. And I've been watching. Barely played, yeah. I've been watching some of the Docs games. I watched the European games. And they're talking about players coming in and going out and the likes of Fats, who's injured or not playing at the moment. And then Michael being replaced by people you've never heard of. Only the fact that uh, Dan O'Kelly's brother played with us last year, Dean Kelly, where we kind of being updated about everything that was going on constantly, you know this player's doing that and this player's doing this and this is what's going on. We kind of had, like, probably the only team that we would have had more of an insight into last year. But again, it's it's a strange because, like, if we were drawn against Rovers, you'd know every single player. And it's it, a bit different. Yeah. So, so how are you feeling about the game then? I mean, what's the... What's because you like because you know, <laughs> he was in he was in Lanzarote like, for the last couple of days. But no, like... <laughs> Like they are in a, they are in a bit of a rocky patch at the moment by mm-hmm. the, the by the standards that I'm talking recent year and I mean the pitch itself is a rocky patch because yeah. it's a bit of an unpredictable surface. Like, what is your feeling about? Because you're used to winning with Moctis, right? Yeah. So this is a different role reversal to go into a game. Being For me, a, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really be looking forward to it now to be honest. But like it, it's there's an awful lot of lads around our club, elderly men who've been there for decades and brought the club up from multiple divisions below where we're at in the Leinster Senior League to even have a club from that area to be in the top Leinster Senior League is an achievement um, so it, it'd be more for them like personally and I, I'd say Hilo half agrees with me here like we've played the League of Ireland I've played in Oriel Park a million times you just don't want to get embarrassed mm. you want to go out and you want 
like it's highly unlikely that we win, but obviously keep it tight, maybe get a little bit lucky if you can get 30, 40, 45 minutes in at nil all. Um, realistically, that's as much as you can hope for. But for these lads, it's a huge achievement. Like even for Brian as our manager, Brian took over their four divisions. Brian's surname? Brian McCarthy. McCarthy, yeah. They were four divisions below. So like it's a huge day for them, even though mm. an awful lot of the players have played at this level and would have played against the likes of Dundalk. We're just a bit older and slower yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Like, you know, <laughs> it's about the club, um, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that you know, people can't travel in the way they would have maybe in yeah, normal and like, times. We, we won the intermediate last year and like the, they were allowed to bring three ball boys, I think, and the average age of the ball boys was 75. <laughs> it was just three committee members standing on the sideline. There, like there was a lot of that going on, to be fair, yeah. around that time. So, so for the likes of them, I, you can kind of sense the excitement around the place and they're buzzing, like, you know. Um, so, like, you just want to put up a good show. Um, well, we're on, I was actually on to Colin Hawkins just before the show, and he said, I manage, I mind... 34 schoolboy teams. He's the director of director football, just to say it, Mark, just for people who aren't aware of that. Yeah. yeah. So the club is <laughs> massive. Going uh, seriously. Yeah, no, I, seriously. I, I had to look twice. I was like, what? And he's um, done a really good job. He didn't have time to and, come and on Gle- the show either. And Glenn like, Crow's still there, is he? Is Glenn Crow still coaching yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. 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 So the, it's, it's the, the club is obviously going places. Yeah. Like, um, Hawks has really developed the underage setup and the academies. Like, we go down and it, it's gas. Like, we could go down and you know, at times we'd be trying to train at a half seven on a Tuesday and you get there and you have to wait till eight because you mm. need the under eights to get off the Astro. And do you know what? You, you love to see that because as Mick says, there's a real community feel about the club. Like we could play, it doesn't matter who we could play in the league. It could be like a team that's just got promoted or you could play like a Newbridge or an Eden Derry, which would have pedigree in the league, but lower down. And there'd be two or three hundred people just standing there watching, and there'd be kids that are on the under eights teams and watching. That, that's actually a point I've made. Like when people give out League of Ireland crowds, no, no football teams in Ireland ever got good support. No non-league teams get support. No, like, n- n- like it was the same when I was younger. GA games, yeah, there'd be a lot of people at them. Mm. Nobody watched the soccer games. Yeah. So Moctis are a bit of an anomaly in that regard. Just yeah, be, it's just it's their club. Yeah, you know, yeah. E- even. Um, Friday night now to have the Clancilla in there the pub it's live streaming the game and that's where all cool. the fans are going to watch it like you know nice so uh, it, it, it's their club so they come every Friday night to go for their few points after it is and like you're made I, I'm from the area that's why I signed a mock it's literally on the corner but like you're made feel very welcome the second you walk there that's great like yeah. just yeah. The, the fixtures well, I, I'm interested just briefly to know what to make of the, the other sort of non-league teams Cork City St. Pat's I think that's a very interesting game actually UCD Longford Town Watford Kilnamanna Killerman are very strong side. You know a lot of the players. Gary McCabe's there, Connor Kenna. Dean Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Hardy. Sean Hardy, yeah. You'd know an awful lot of them players. Um, And like, they might, the thing in our league is, as I was saying, it's a lifestyle. Like, you know, so I know Sean was away on holidays there a week or two ago. So you could come up against them. We, We played against them first game of the season and half of them aren't there. So you could beat them, mm-hmm. or you could beat them well. But then, like all of a sudden, you have all these players: mm. and Connor Kenna, centre back; Sean in the middle; Gary McCabe in the ten. Like, like Gary McCabe's only thirty. He's only thirty. Oh, oh, Gary McCabe yeah. really shouldn't be. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, but he's he, the halfway he line there during the week. Or he would yeah. easily be still one of the best players in the League of Ireland if he wanted yeah. to be. And for whatever reason. He His sister's totally he was playing in Belgrade. We, we talked earlier, yeah. Craig, about Belgrade. Got the goal in Teller. Belgrade 10 years yeah. ago with Shamrock Grover. You were at the club at the time as well. Uh, I was, yeah. yeah what, we are talking about that earlier. Player. His goal in Teller was an unbelievable goal Ridiculous. as well. Um, and player. got them that chance. Um, Dundalk against Moctis. 
sort of half <laughs> I, I hope we don't get embarrassed <laughs> says Mick Daly yeah. that's, that's the uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know uh, Finn Harps Derry City I mean I just uh, the the second I suppose tie of the round Minute Cove Ramblers Cholester Donny Minute, Minute is with uh, Kieran Kilduff is yeah manager, yeah. 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 manager there yeah. Well, yeah Minute could be Cove yeah, like, no. If, yeah. So if there is a God, shock, that's where there could be a shock. Because they're at home, it's a national the yeah. They play on yeah. the smallest astro in the world, right? And I mean, like, you can't even take a long throw because your back would be touching the fence. And it's. I've seen that ground, I think. Yeah, a different yeah. variation of, like, you know, when they say you go to somewhere and it's like a coliseum because the crowd is in on top. Uh. It's a different variation of that. You're, you're caged in. And it yeah. just gets manic up it's there. It's not a great astro. So if yeah. there is, if there is like, a shock, it could be there. Uh, Cholester, Donny Carney, Wexford. Yeah. Another Wexford one. Are on, on the up. Wexford have yeah. improved. And I think, like what Mick said, uh, Cholester have had a like a rocky start to the season. And I think they've like changed. A lot of players have come in and a lot of players gone out. But they still have a lot of really good players. Like Carl Moore's there. Stephen Carl Chambers Moore, is there. Yeah. They have a lot of really good players. So if it does click on the day, but as you said, Wexford have improved massively recently. So that, like, yeah. I mean, that's but not outside. I'm just looking. The Minutes game is in John Highland Park. That, that, that's St. Francis. St. Francis, isn't it? Francis, so clearly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. that clearly it's away, been yeah. moved from there. But, yeah. but still, like that, that's a good Minutes side. Mm. Um, like a lot of them players would be training full time in the college because okay. it's obviously a university yeah. team based team and look don't I, I, if I was a betting man which I'm not and you're not allowed but if I was that's <laughs> where it's all right, that's, where my, <laughs> that's where I'd be putting that's, money that's where he's looking for the shot to be called yeah if uh, like as an, from an amateur point of view coming from and all these clubs in Leinster Senior League all you're hoping for is a home draw against a first division club mm, like give you a chance obviously you want to play each other the last thing you want is an away draw against one of the best teams in the country <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is what Roy was <laughs> but at least if there was if there was if there was crowds and there was like you know the possibility of a couple of thousand and the club gets a bit of the pot then mm. maybe that's the angle yeah, but in, yeah. the, mm. in the pandemic era it's it's not the same the final but, fixture but, is Bowes Chamber which um yeah, yeah so it's, I don't know. It's, it's, we might mention that. We might mention that. But Craig, are you working between now and, and Friday then? No, would you believe I ca- I finished last night and I'm actually on my annual leave now. So I yeah. have the game on Friday and then I fly out to Greece on Saturday morning for my honeymoon, which is 15 months. Oh, months ah, congratulations. I got married last year just as everything starts. Still so, together? So, uh, <laughs> fortunately enough, yes. We're staying together for the honeymoon. For, anyway. for the moment. Anyway. The deposits then, honeymoon. <laughs> it's like the honeymoon <laughs> period is over, but you haven't even had the honeymoon. Yeah, I've been gone. Yeah. <laughs> but just, uh, okay, so we don't have the dream story of you coming out of like uh, work and going into the game, but you're from a family of fire. Yeah, my dad retired last year. My sister's in the job as well. And then my granddad would be retired and his two brothers are in as well. So like there's, Plenty of us, yeah. Really, and where and where, I mean, where did that start from? Like, um, so I think my granddad's like sixteen years retired, so that'll give you an idea yeah. of how far back he started and how long he was in it. And then I think my dad was in the job from like twenty three or twenty four, so it's kind of all I've ever known, really. You knew you were family. gonna, you knew yeah, you were gonna well, go that route. Like the the Rovers thing coincided with taking that job. That was the first opportunity for me to apply for the job. Do you know what I mean? So it came up, let's say, we came up, I applied for it and I was studying for the interview in India when we did our preseason. Wow. So I'm room with Gary Shaw telling him, look, I'm going for this. If I get this, great. But it was the first opportunity. There was an embargo in Dublin City Council. So I just applied for it and luckily enough, I got it. But I kind of always knew that I was going to go down that road, especially when I dropped out of college. So yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm definitely not interested in doing like a nine to five business job, which what I was studying to do. Um, I think I was working in a couple of gyms at the time and then that came up. Um, 
Mick give you a job, did he? I'll tell you, Mick would look after you, to be fair. He's a good yeah. skin of all the abuse you give him. But yeah, he is sorted a good, out with equipment during lockdown good, and all, He's a good he? lad, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I came up, I applied for it and I got it. And then, yeah, it was kind of the thing, uh, kind of took me away from football. Uh, back to it's just something that you kind of mentioned. And two questions about the game on Friday. It's another good one because I suppose you asked me, did I have any regrets? And I said, no. Um, that was kind of what going up north was as well, just to kind of see it in my own head if I could still compete at that level and if I wanted to. And the first thing was I went up and obviously hadn't trained in a while, but obviously the answer to the first question was I could if I wanted to. But then going back to playing Dundalk, like like Mick, I think we played them eight times in my first season there and probably six or seven. So like I've played there loads of times and I'm looking forward to the match, but also looking forward to playing against them with absolutely no pressure. How like good I'd, could you have been then if you were a professional me? all your life? Jeez, yeah. I don't know. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think I had the same commitment or maybe attitude towards it as Mick. It was, was, but you say, no pressure, but well, yeah. say no pressure though, to finish your point though, you were saying you're looking yeah, forward so to like, playing with no pressure. Playing with Rovers, what, what I said, a big part of it was like, it felt like a job towards the end and because mm. of the pressure surrounding the club. And look, I suppose at the top level of football, that's the way it is. But I'm not used to, I wasn't used to playing. I played for, Longford and Waterford, so similar to Mick Adrada, there was no pressure like that. So to go back and play them on, on Friday night with absolutely no pressure, you know, he's listed five or six or seven uh, ex-League of Ireland players or players that would have played at that standard. It would be interesting to see how we play in an environment now where, as Mick said, the only goal is to not lose heavily. Mm. But that allows you to go out and express yourself and literally play whatever way you want. Well... So the the, the, the hat trick hero obviously Finn Harps before we finish up Finn Harps and um the amazing three one will over Pats actually last week, which kind of I don't know, sort of maybe dented Pats a title host, but anyway, one of one of Barry McNamee's passes for the goals was absolutely amazing. And he was a player I was sort of thinking about afterwards. He's like having spoken to a former teammate, Barry McNamee has a view of football that like football isn't the be all and end all. It's like he's a really serious job, and it's like you know he, he's a different take on it. Some people look at the game differently, even when they're playing. You you decided you don't have regrets that you didn't become no. Shamrock Rovers main keeper. There's there's another world out there. There are big time, and like that's probably the best way ever to describe it. Like football is, as Mick said earlier on, it's a fleeting moment to pass through your life very quickly. You're longer retired from football than very you are nicely playing. put, actually. Like yeah. it's great to experience it, and I I'd say like. I always wanted to play football at as high a level as possible, and I did that. I don't think I could have played at a higher level. I also wanted to do the job I do now, and I do that. I'm kind of juggling up both of them and looking at them still when I'm at the age where I could still be playing football. You realise that there is an awful lot more to life than football. Mm. Maybe not for some people, and maybe not at an elite level where you're earning stupid money, but in Ireland, there definitely is because with a, a career similar to what Mick has and with a life away from the League of Ireland, you can still play football and at times enjoy it more, but then also live your life, have your house, get married, get a mortgage, your kids, yeah. get a mortgage, mm. go on a honeymoon, have your holidays, etc., mm. etc. Et and that's something that you, you mm. sacrifice. And that's probably, for me, it wasn't a financial sacrifice. It was that sacrifice playing League of Ireland or that sacrifice playing the three or four months up north that mm. really opens your eyes yeah. to the fact that there is in fact more yeah no that's a fair point I mean I suppose make your perspective I mean you were at Man City as a kid and we've spoken before you had that was before Man City went to another went to the 
the level yeah. it is now. I try to pretend it wasn't. But, but, yeah, but, yeah but, but like it was, it still gave you a little bit of an insight because you were there with Daniel Sturridge and yeah. Michael Johnson. and Mika every, Richards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like we had a great team and all, but like as where Hilo said football wasn't the be all and end all for him, it was for me. Mm. I loved Um I would have given Everton. Um, I just wasn't good enough. But um, When did that realisation come into play? Uh, to be honest, I remember speaking with Kenny Jacket when I was in the reserve team and he pulled me and I was flying actually in the reserve team at the time. And I said to Kenny, I said, listen, I know I'm not good enough. And he go, whoa, 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 what? What do you mean you're not good enough? I said, I, I, I'm going to do my very, very best. And probably was too hard on myself. And he said, Mick, he said, if you look through the Premier League, he said 90% of people are just good at stopping other people. He said, they're not there to be good players. They're there to stop good players. He said, you're very good at stopping good players um, at the time. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. But then uh, uh, he gave me great confidence. But uh, like when you're around players, like you're, you're trying to mark Stephen Ireland. He does everything one touch. Like <laughs> You're looking at Daniel Sturridge, bags of ability. The best player I've ever seen was Michael Johnson. I know yeah. he was riddled with injuries. Jeez, yeah. But he's the best I've ever seen by a mile. Like Sturridge, none of them were anywhere near him. Like, um, but when you're trying to, like, I was tr- competing with Michael Johnson for a place in the team, and I'd sit there and watch him, and like, I'd be nearly like, I'd analyze myself, overanalyze nearly every game. I'd go home and think of every pass I, I misplaced, right? Watch it, he doesn't misplace a pass. Like, he, so th- then I was like, I'm, I'm never getting to that level, you know. You'd be hoping maybe to a David Myler level, like, you know, where he had a really good career, he closed down, he, he wasn't going to be the best passer in the world or whatever. That was the height of where I thought I might achieve or had a chance to. But um, once you come back to Ireland, it's a no, it's very hard to go back over. Um, unless you have, as just my type of player, a hard worker, mm. you have to, I think it's more... The goal scorers, it's maybe a bit different for them sometimes. Or the the Shawnee Maguire like, or something, or yeah. Or Burke in the middle of the park who has bags of ability. I think there's loads of stoppers in Ireland and after a while, like, you just become just another one. Um, and then, I think once I left Dundalk or were full-time, the second you go part-time, yeah. you've probably... And that's at 21, 22, you've probably mm. made that decision. Yeah. I'm not good mm. enough to go back over. And I, even then, I was thinking, right, I need... I need something that's gonna, like I'm living in Castle Lock, like the houses aren't cheap. You're thinking you need something to, um, a career to follow. Where's your yeah. gym? In Castle Lock. Yeah, yeah, in Castle Lock. What's the name of your gym? Uh, Anatomic Fitness. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, you did do at the start of lockdown. I mean, you did an incredible thing. How many how many kilometers did you run? Because you have two yeah. siblings with cystic fibrosis yeah, who are cocooned. It, it, and if if she's listening now, um, best wishes to Rebecca. My little sister is in a hospital now at the minute. Oh dear. Um. But yeah, we've raised, with the gym, we've raised a quarter of a million in the last seven years. And then just through lockdown, it was the Sunday before Good Friday, um, a fella rang me and said, listen, I'm, di- I'm thinking of doing, it's called 65 Roses Day. So see, to teach kids how to pronounce cystic fibrosis, they say 65 Roses. So it was the day. So uh, he said, well, we do 6K five times. So I said, yeah. So I, I posted it up online. We raised 57, 58,000 in the five days before. So we got Bernard Brogan, Kieran Kenny, and all to run different sections with me. So we did uh, midnight, uh, 5 a.m. And then every five hours, basically, we ran 6K. Amazing. To run 30K in the day, yeah. Ireland has the highest rate in Europe, is it? Or the, in the world. world. Yeah. One in 19 in Ireland have the gene. Mm. So if two people have the gene, you have a one, one in four, four chance. chance of yeah. a child, and you, yeah. you obviously... 
weren't one of those four. No, yeah. so I'm, with the, I'm from a family of five kids. So my brother was the fourth, um, and he's flying. His missus is actually pregnant now at the minute. Um, he's 20, 27, but my little sister would be sick. Like, um, mm. She's 20. It's very, very tough. Yeah, so they were child four and child five. So th- that's basic. And then when you're talking about things more important than football, like... That, that's the perspective there. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. It's true. Um, you, are, you are involved with a horse as well, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is dangerous because the last person that came into the studio here involved with a horse was Johnny Dunleavy, who now cannot escape Johnny Ward and they're like inter, they're interlinked for the rest of our life. It's actually funny you mentioned because we were involved in horses. There was actually a horse with the trainer, Johnny Levins. You remember that called 65 Roses, mm. which was actually... Which was it was to do with the, as you say the the cystic fibrosis. So there's a horsey connection there. But you're involved with a horse as well, right? Yeah, I. Uh, so my brother is a real horseman, um, but he uh, just signed me up because I don't think he could afford to go in. So all of a sudden, older brother Mick is 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 brought in. But we bought a horse and put him at Michael Grassick, and the horse jumped up in the stables and kicked the wall or something and injured himself. Um, so Grassic rang the lads. Now, there's 16 of us in it. Like, you know, the horse was 10 grand, so 600 and something each. And Grassic rang the lads and said, listen, I have this horse here. It's run 24 times and never won, but he's wanted. Because we only wanted a day out, like, you yeah. know, a bit of crack. Put the suit on. So he said, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. So the name of the horse is Cactus Tree. So the first run, it came fourth. Um, so basically paid for what it cost to bring him to the race course. Next, I think came nowhere, then fourth, and then we won two races in a row. <laughs> yeah, so won a 20 to one and 16 to one. It's uh, mad, like, yeah, yeah, no expectations and you no, get two wins no, in Ireland. yeah, and like, we, uh, so he, uh, Grassic's had seven winners all year and this was a horse that was just given to us. Yeah. And it's won two in a row now. Happy days. So, yeah. So, was, even if you don't win in Dundalk on Friday night, maybe you can get the cactus up to Dundalk on a Friday night well, later this year. We've this tried to get him into the Curra on Friday, um, but I think the ground is too hard, so he oh, might be running. Beat, beat, ta- beat Tassing, yeah, trained by Johnny Levin. Yeah, actually, there you go. First. Do you have a question for... We the, do. We have a four-star pizza question. It's our giveaway. We always try and do it roughly related to the guests. So, this is actually <laughs> a, a bad memory for Mick in this case. Because uh, Mick played in the 2013 FEI Cup final. It was a really dramatic game between Drada and Sligo Rovers. Um, and people might remember the Joey and Doe chip over the wall. And Danny was, North, yeah. Yeah. Well, thankfully, Danny North isn't the answer to the question. And, and you don't shout out the answer to the question. Because the answer, the question is, who scored the winning goal in that final for Sligo Rovers? It was... Uh, deep into injury time so as usual if people can send us their answer to uh, at LOI Central Pod on Twitter um, we had the pizza draw was done a bit late last week but we did have a we did have a winner was it Joe O'Donnell was it I'm trying to think yeah but, uh, Joe yeah. Dwyer yeah Joe okay so. yeah so yeah I've been on to Joe about the uh, sending the pizza yeah so uh, yeah so Bose Rovers you're at Bose Rovers on Sunday Johnny I am indeed I think, I think to, like, we'd normally preview that game but I think so much of that is going to be affected in a way by the Rovers attitude after Thursday night, that like Bowes are probably catching them at a good time. They are. Um, but if Rovers can somehow do it on Thursday, the momentum could sort of carry them through as well. Whereas if they lose, it could be a really weird week for them. You know, as, as flat a week as Rovers would have had in recent memory. So it's a massive game. Perfectly we'll, teed up for we'll, Moctis as well, given we'll, the we'll, form and Docker in. We'll pour it over. Well, this is it. I mean, the, we're, we're, there's no expectation from the Moctis camp, but we'll pile it now. Like you, the dog reaction will be interesting from mm-hmm. last week because they were, they were re- the thing about the dog though, they were dreadful in the first half last week, but actually in the second half, 
there's these passages of play where they put it together for a couple of minutes and you're like, what? Like, to put it together for 90 minutes. Well, that's the problem. Like, you see Patching and these mm. lads drifting around the place mm. and X-Man City, like yourself, um, Patching and like... You'll be trying to kick him on Friday, actually. Trying to catch him. You'll be yeah. stopping him, yeah, um, yeah. It's been brilliant having yeah. you on, lads. I am... Um, I don't. Know, I hope you enjoyed that. If you're listening in, obviously the the insight into the the, the obviously the non leave, but lots of coming back from England and just having to get a job really in Ireland to, to get a mortgage. That's the reality of it. And uh, you know the the I suppose the spark still burns, and you're playing Dundalk on Friday, so it's going to be a bit of crack. And um, brilliant having you on. Yeah. Uh, that was in association with uh, FutureTicketing.ie, um, who obviously were involved in the ticket sales for Shamrock Rovers, the last leg standing of the Irish clubs in Europe. Best of luck, Shamrock Rovers, Green Tala on Thursday night, and thanks for listening.